What up, my fellow Survivor lovers? Welcome to Survivor Historian, part of the Challenge Historian podcast feed. I am your host and born-again Survivor superfan, Jacob Hollaball, and with me, as he has been every week throughout this wonderful Survivor 45 season, is the great and powerful Tony Lance. Tony, how are we doing today? Not too shabby. I just rewatched the finale again for my notes, and I am definitely stoked to talk about it. This was a great season. I for, totally forgot to ask you this before we started. Did you watch all of the after show? I know the answer to this is definitely yes, but uh, did you watch all of the like the post show? Yes. Okay, good. Because I did not. And so I will have a couple of key moments where I need you to clarify if if something I'm saying was, was discussed and sounds stupid. But uh, we are here to talk about the finale, which happened a couple weeks back now. Appreciate everyone's patience in us getting able through the holidays and everything else, able to get this out. But we're not just going to talk about the finale today. We're going to run through the highlights of the finale first. And then the second half of the show, we are going to do our full season awards. So no awards, obviously. Obviously no predictions because the season's over uh, or any of that type of stuff. So first half of the show recap of the finale, second half of the show, somewhat of a recap of the entire season via a bunch of awards that will sound very similar to our episodic rewards, just this time for the entirety of the season. And I may even have some extra bonus awards that I didn't tell Tony about or to prepare for <laughs> that we will throw in as well. So two-parter episode coming at you. I do not know if when you're listening to this right now, this will actually be two separate podcast episodes that are available at the same time or one long podcast episode. Either way, just make sure you're following or subscribed or look at the show notes and uh, you'll be able to know, look at the title of this. I think it'll all be in one podcast though. So if you only want to hear the awards, if you only want to hear the recap of the finale, either one, use the show notes, click the hyperlinks and go to the part of the podcast that you so desire. Other than that, only programming notes as we literally record this on New Year's Eve, headed into the new year. On Challenge Historian, we just got B-Fank coverage, Challenge Battle for New Champion, the longest season in reality television history, <laughs> is going to you know go well into the new years. Probably, I think, still literally is going to finish when the next season of Survivor starts airing, uh, which I think is actually almost to the week, potentially, depending how many episodes there is. That's the only thing coming in for the month of January, really on this podcast feed. Tony, anything going down in January over on uh, Challenge Fandom? Uh, pretty much recaps. Same as you. Um, yeah, we're we're pretty much straight recapping the entire way. I realized when we recorded on Friday that we were that this season of the challenge will pretty much overlap having an entire run of Survivor and the start of a new season of Survivor as well, which is ridiculous. Yeah, it's uh, something really special how they do their scheduling and everything. <laughs> but that is for a different podcast. If you want my thoughts on that show, if you want Tony's thoughts on that show, obviously, you know where to get them. We're here just for Survivor today. We already told you the agenda. So without further ado, let's dive in, starting with the season 45 re finale recap. First things first. So we are obviously the, the finale episode is very long longest episode of the season if we would have been recording this immediately after we maybe go a little further in depth and really hit every single little beat but one we're doing it a lot later and we want to save plenty of time for the season awards so we'll trim it down a little and two the other thing about the finale is even more than you could say it about the full season but there really were 
you know, there's a couple of decisions that stand out while there's a lot of interesting little things that happen between each one that if you wanted the six hour version of this podcast, we certainly could give it to you. Uh, we will do our best not to do that and try to focus just on the biggest, biggest kind of moments and the biggest, the decisions that had the greatest impact on ultimately D taking home the money and the crown at the end. So the first one we'll start with is the first kind of portion of the episode where Jake wins an advantage. They play the little advantage game on the beach and then go to the immunity challenge that ultimately Austin wins. But I would, I, I would say Jake loses as much as Austin wins. Uh, yeah. I will be using that type of terminology throughout this episode. We'll come back uh, to that by the end in a big way with who wins the full season, but Jake wins the advantage. Austin ends up winning the immunity. I'll let you start with thoughts on how this all goes down. The two games that they play, the performances, any of it, take it wherever you want. But uh, what what were your yeah. thoughts coming out of the initial portion of this episode? I liked that the um, that his advantage was it was enough to give you a head start. It wasn't enough to win you the game, even without um, like him missing the key when he went back when he scaled up and had to come back for it. That like it sucked to see. As soon as it dropped and he ran, I was like, damn it. But he got back into it and then, of course, went back out of it again. But I I mean, it's proof like how much your brain is just mush by that point in the game, even without a 39 day season. Like, I don't I don't foresee Jake making that mistake on like day three. Like that's a that's an end of the game mistake. And I think that everybody did really well on it. I do like, I like first off that they do the, when there's only five of them left, there's only so much talking on the beach and like strategizing. And so mm. it, you know, it turns into like a lot of competition in the final episode, but I'm good with that. And so like, I like that they have the, the game on the beach to determine an advantage just to then go to the immunity challenge. I'm like good with them filling the time in with that. I loved that Jake was rewarded for having the appropriate strategy. It's yeah. a counting challenge. Like you it's counting a bunch of small things that there's trying to make difficult to count. You don't got to run. You certainly don't need to be working together, Austin and D, but that's, <laughs> I don't, we don't even need to get into that because we'll talk a lot about them and their work together by the end of this podcast. Um, so I liked that Jake won by being the only one who was like, I'm not as fast as them, and but I also don't think it's smart to like try to go fast. I'm just going to try to get it right. And yeah. if no one else gets it right, I'll win. And that's what happens. The advantage is legit. Uh, they did a good job of picking. Like yeah. this should be really helpful, but not to the point of like you can't lose. Um, right. But he still, I mean, he does blow it. Like <laughs> to be fair, I don't know. He might still have lost because Austin was a lot faster on the puzzle than he was, but forgetting the keys and then losing the puzzle piece. Yeah, definitely did because he nailed the thing was he took advantage of his advantage by he made what his second attempt on the shot yeah, to get so. one. And so it was like at that moment, he had a big time advantage over Austin who was in second. And so he did, he did blow it as, as tough as it is to say, cause I just love Jake so much and I'm going to, wait to potentially get emotional until I talk about the port in the episode where I kind of got pretty emotional <laughs> over Jake. probably where I did. Um, but uh, thankfully there was somewhat of a, a, a good, there was a, 
a g- good ending eventually yeah. to the Jake saga here. Uh, but uh, the only thing is if Jake would have won, it dramatically changes the episode. I think, I don't know if it means D doesn't ultimately win. I think it for sure means different people are sitting there at the end with different arguments, because if he wins and then he can be much more open of like, well, I won. So I can tell everyone I have an idol and I can be a little more chaotic of like, I have yeah. an idol. Obviously I should play it. There's no, why Who would I not it? play it? But like I could play it for anyone and now you don't know, and you could cause more chaos and who knows where that leads. Um, so I was, I was bummed both for Jake, obviously to kind of blow it there, but also bummed for us, the viewer of like, I think his chances of successfully making an interesting move and using the idol were diminished quite a bit when he didn't actually get the win. Um, so I was a little, little bummed to see that. And, uh, it didn't, it obviously didn't put a damper on the episode by any means, but it, as the episode it ramped hurt. up and I was like, I'm hoping for the best case scenario, the most interesting result every single time. And yeah. the most interesting result was not feeling bad for Jake again and feeling like now that's the odds were stacked against him, Katura and Julie to do anything towards Austin and D. Yeah. And I will also say like major props to Jake in addition for to like succinctly counting everything, going his own speed, everything like that. That's all great, but associating the numbers with the season of Survivor and the winner. So you're not trying to remember three numbers. You're just remembering three names. Yeah. Like and it's memory so tricks good. like that work really, really well. He's going to yeah. remember them now because he did. Yeah. And like it's it was funny because as he was naming them off, I was naming off the winners. And then the people who I was watching with was like, of course you would. Would it yeah, like it would have been amazing if he was like wrong about one, <laughs> like he got the numbers right and everything in the end, but his mind like season whatever winner was this person it was like Jake, yeah. you're wrong, but like you're gonna put the right number in at the end. But so it'd be yeah. funny when Tom was like, no, that was thirty four, not thirty five or whatever. But that'd be um, hilarious. No, he was correct, and yeah, I was very impressed, and I knew uh, true historians like yourself would be very very much enjoy that moment, um, as did I. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Austin is safe going into the first vote and Jake has an idol, but some more disappointment. And that takes us to storyline number two. So then the first vote comes and it essentially comes down to, you know, D doesn't want to vote for Julie, but is comfortable if Austin does and her name is out there and Jake has told Austin in at the sanctuary because Jake or Austin picked Jake to go to the sanctuary, which I think we don't even really need to discuss. I think that was just the right decision and also kind of like the kind decision um, to do. And uh, so he's told Austin about the idol, says he's playing it for himself. He eventually tells Katura about the idol, says he's playing it for herself, tells everyone not to tell D and Julie, which obviously everyone tells everyone everything at this point. And especially like you're telling Austin, he's going to tell D. Everything has no one learned yet. Uh, no one does learn until it's all over and said and done. But I do uh, love those cuts though, where somebody says, "Don't tell this person," and then it just always cuts to some that person telling the person they're not supposed to. Yeah, I'm like editing team didn't hasn't Jake been through enough? Like <laughs> you didn't need this. You didn't need this moment's no. funny, and but given everything he's went through and you've shown us of him on the season. Do we need that to like, leave the guy alone? Um, but yeah, so everyone knows he has an idol. He wants to, he's, you know, saying I'm going to play it on myself because 
you know, you guys have tried to vote me out a bunch before and why not? Like, I don't know what else to do. So I'm yeah. just going to play to myself. Don't vote for me. And, um, and so everything's setting up for Jake and Katura. If they can just, if Jake could just not pitch rocks, if they could just be honest with each other, if they could just trust each other to take out whoever they want, because Jake's got this idol and, you know, people are finally realizing Julie and D are the people they should be going to. But Jake, well, first off, Julie doesn't want D. Let's talk about that first, because that was that was shocking enough to and I thought bad strategy enough to talk about before we discuss Jake and Katura totally fumbling the bag here. Uh, Julie is approached about taking D out and says, no says the jury isn't going to respect me if I don't like respect one of my relationships. And so I'm not going to vote for D and also I'm kind of just like tired and over it. And Jake is D will say yes to Jake. So like, let's just vote Jake out. Yeah. And then also is the only one that's like, Jake doesn't have an idol. He's lying. It's like, uh, he's, uh, people have seen it. Uh, he's not, yeah. but like you seem, you seem like day 25 was your limit, Julie. You seem pretty checked out. So did you, do you, are you in agreement with me that this is ludicrous from Julie to just be like, no, I'm not voting D out. And also it's, it's not just because like, I don't want to do it. It's because I think the jury like will respect me if I don't vote her out more. I just, I didn't get it at all. Yeah. Like <clears throat> I guess there's a couple of levels to it. For one, I think that Austin was also smart taking Jake because it keeps Jake and Katura separate for presumably just long enough that it's going to be harder for them to strategize when they come back together. Um, I think that was really smart. In addition and you're going to just, know all of Jake's plan because yeah. as he Austin says, I mostly brought Jake because he's going to tell me everything he knows. And then Jake tells him everything he knows. Yeah. Even though like that was apparently part of Jake's plan where I'm going to tell everybody and then flip it yeah. and it could have worked in theory with some other information provided but as far as julie goes like she is so focused on the fact that she's blindsided people that she truly cares about that it then sort of created this blinder as to she can she is a lawyer so she would be able to advocate for herself and explain her game fairly well she probably thinks that Julie and her had a, or sorry, Julie and D had a lot of similar moves. So it would be splitting votes at the end. But if she can tell the story better, then she might be able to do it. Um, personally, I, as a jury member, would respect the move more of I'm taking out D because she is my biggest threat to win this game. And I have to put my friendship and my emotions aside um counter argument it's katura's plan not julie's plan and if katura is also sitting at the end she can easily say that was actually my idea not yours so yeah I, it's time i would take better. out d but i i see why she didn't but i think i would take her out i think i'd have to yeah, I think she got caught up in the emotions, is which is going to be a common theme of uh, there was two folks at the Reba 4 who didn't get caught up in the emotions, uh, one of which ends up winning, one of which was the first of those four to go out, and the yep. other two did get caught up in emotions a little bit, and I think Julie was feeling bad enough, and especially after like they had three tribal councils in a row where Jeff, basically the only thing they talked about was like, so 
do you guys care? Like, is like the emotions and the friendship versus the yeah. being a savage. And it seemed like Julie with each passing day was a little more like, I, I did this to some people, but I'm not doing it to like the number one person who I actually like have a mother daughter relationship. Everyone else calls me mama J, but like, I actually feel like a mother figure yeah. and best friend to this woman. And I don't want to do, do that. And so, yeah. And she, she definitely could have maybe won at the end versus D uh, would have been an interesting battle, but I still think she should have targeted her because you should target the person who has the best odds of winning. That's just, yeah. you know, the most straightforward, good strategy. But it shouldn't have mattered because D should have went home, not Julie, because Jake and Katura talk about we, you know, we can do something here. Yep. And Jake tells Katura he has an idol, but does one thing is as much as I want to say Katura blew it by changing her vote at the last second, which she did. She potentially, I don't know if she lost a million dollars, but she's handed D a million dollars in that yeah. moment. But Jake also didn't tell Katura. He said, I have an idol, but he didn't say, I'm going to play it for you. Everyone yeah. else thinks I'm playing it for me. Can you please keep that one bit of info? Like you tell everyone else and everything else, leave the part out of it that I'm going to play it for you. That would have ultimately made her safe, more safe than I guess her. You know, it was a very funny back and forth of like, swear on someone. Didn't know just anyone. I don't know. What about my Nana? Oh, good enough. Like, yeah. good. Thank you. Like you made me swear on my Nana. Like what the hell? Um, you know, they just can't trust each other. And at the last second, Katura, which they did a great job of showing us, you know, her have that moment of like, she legitimately switched her decision yeah. as she stood there with the pen and paper. And uh, I think that that was the moment I literally wrote my note. D just won a million dollars. And yep. uh, whether Katura was the one that would have won if she votes D out. I think she probably could have. <laughs> she, I think, I think she has a 50, 50 shot at that point. If she actually votes D and D goes home there of yeah. Katura being the winner out of those final four. Um, so it was pretty, pretty painful moment, but the D on the, the smile on D's face couldn't have been bigger. Cause I think she kind of realized it too. And everyone else it took until the next immunity challenge to really sink in when she wins. But I think everyone kind of knew in that moment, fuck, a mistake yeah. was made here. And that mistake just cost four of us a million dollars and gave it to the other person. Yeah. And I see that chain of events going, they vote out D, which is like a magnificent move, mm -hmm. clearly because she won. But also just if you're looking at those people without knowing that D won, you still take out D because she is that huge threat. I think that if, if D is out of the equation, Austin wins immunity, then he takes, I could see him taking Jake. He definitely and takes then, Jake. And then putting Katura and Julie to fire. Either takes, well, actually he's, if he would have, if D goes out and Austin wins the next immunity, I think Austin would have put himself versus Julie in fire. And cause he seemed, I could see that. I don't, I don't remember they made it seem like Austin was the greatest fire maker in the history of fire making or whatever. I know yeah. at, by that point, of the episode, he's like actively really wants because like kind of feels like he needs to get in there. Um, but was there a lot of did we get a lot of like Austin's really good at fire or anything? But they, they all seem really good at fire. Yeah, we had that. But so I think there's a chance if if it's those final four, he's like, I'm not worried about Jake, but yeah. I am a little worried about Katara, Julie, and I kind of almost 
maybe he would have went the route of like, I need to throw myself in and beat them. And then if I do, I'm like for sure going to win. And if I don't, I might've lost to them anyways. Um, but yeah, I think it's pretty yeah. even between him, Julian Katura, if D's not there. Yeah. And it's just like, it's one of those things, man. Like it's, it's so, I don't know that I've had a situation watching survivor lately that it's been so crystal clear that one decisive moment shifted the entire rest of the game. Um, other than, I guess, like maybe D telling Julie to play the idol and taking out Emily at that point. But, but that's still that too early moment, to be like, there's yeah. so many chances. That was the moment where we're like, okay, so D's not going to win because she obviously they're going to, one of the next three chances they have, they're, yeah. they're going to find a way to get her out. They should all see this and know this. Um, and they will talk later when we do the season awards and I'll do the full recap of all of the, the succession of moves that went awry that aided in uh, D's victory to not take anything away from D's victory, which I will explain more of that here when we get to it. But yeah, uh, Katura makes the, the ill-advised switch at the end. Julie goes home, still a threat out of the game, obviously, but at this point they're, you know, they're all threats to some degree. Um, even Jake, if this would have worked um would have had at least something to grasp onto that it was like me and katura who did this uh and so like there's there's something there for him to grab onto but instead we head to a final four of d austin jake and katura and d completely and utterly in control i do have a question though Mm -hmm. what's that i think that jeff hurt jake's game and i want to get your take on it okay let's do that now so we go to tribal at five at five five. okay and we jeff like immediately talks to jake per the edit and says you got an advantage and you immediately squandered it forgot the key and then goes a little bit further but he said but then you're back in it and you're doing the puzzle and you're neck and neck with austin and then you misplace the piece or don't see the piece and you lose and like jake flat out said thanks jeff i'm just happy i didn't have to recap it all myself but Jeff is Jeff is giving a play by play of Jake like underperforming at the immunity challenge for the jury instead of nobody else won but Austin but Jake is the one that he focused on and pointed out two specific instances in that in a very necessary immunity challenge in front of the jury about how Jake mishandled it and I didn't really notice as much the first watch, but on the second watch, it was like, he really threw Jake under the bus in that situation. Like I know that Jake would have had like a huge uphill climb final tribal regardless, but for Jeff to just kind of like point out, you had an advantage, you squandered it. You got back into it. You messed it up again. I was like, seriously. I mean, but one, I think, Jeff is always, you know, trying to lean into any storylines, uh, which is, you know, his job more or less. Oh, yeah. And the Jake kind of fumbling his way through things. It was a definite storyline. Um, but also he he Jeff especially this season, I feel like he even more so wanted to do those recaps for the jury, like more yeah. than ever before, or more direct of like let me quickly recap everything that happened since the last time we were sitting here, just so whether we end up talking about it or not, the jury kind of knows the process of things. 
And so, yeah, it definitely, it's obviously, you know, sucks for Jake. Who's like, I wish maybe we could have avoided mentioning some of those things. And then maybe whoever gets sent home, doesn't tell everyone at Ponderosa exactly how, you know, Austin won and, or I lost that or whatever. Um, but I think he's got a mention that like, there was an advantage thing. You won that. And then, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I get I, yeah, where you're coming from. It's not, it's not very nice, but I don't think there was, I think it was, uh, I don't know if necessary is an appropriate word, but it was, you know, it's just part of it. Like that's going to happen. You're, we're going to, yeah. we're going to, we're going to recant everything. And unfortunately the story was yet again, uh, some, some issues on Jake's part that maybe, or maybe did not cost, cost him the win on yeah. that challenge. So we move then to the next immunity challenge at final four and, you know, they go right, basically right to it and D wins. And therefore, at this point, I, I was convinced was had locked up no matter what else happened at that part. Like D now wins the million dollars. And I thought the other three definitely had the same feeling I did because in the moment yeah. their faces after she wins are pretty, you know, pretty resolute and like, oh, well, okay, we've got the next 36 hours to still like spend doing all of this stuff. But uh, I think we all know where this is probably going here. Um, the final challenge, I liked the final challenge. Me too. Uh, D completely dominated it. I mean, a flawless run. And, you know, that's that's asking a lot to go flawless in one of these challenges. Yeah. They're expecting people to drop a couple of times and this to take a lot longer than it did. And they maybe weren't expecting someone to break the challenge as Jake does, which uh, is, is the start of where I started getting really, I started feeling really sad about the, the edit and everything um we'll touch on that in a minute um but did you have did you like the final challenge uh and did you were you as resolute as i was of once it was over of like well we know the end result of this episode now we just get to fill yeah. in the blanks of how we get from here to the end pretty much yeah i mean i really liked the challenge it's sort of it's a bit of a mix of a couple of different challenges and i like that um it reminded me a lot of the one that they did in healers hustlers when you had to spell out the name of the show like the end name of the season by going through that with the pieces um and i liked i mean i like it because it's not the same standing thing where you go through the whole way like they did um on 43 with um where owen got mad and he bent the thing the yeah end. this is now becoming a and it's funny that it's jake and owen together right? um but it's <laughs> becoming a little bit of a tradition of the person yeah. who's just trying like hell to grasp it having one thing can i just have one thing before i sit there and don't get any votes at the end and them breaking to some degree a challenge at the end yeah and proof that they really make sure that the challenges are going to work for everyone um because like d is shorter she had just enough height to get that last one on. It wasn't a matter of she was too short and couldn't do it. It had to be at a really weird angle. She was able to put it on while standing at full height with their hands up. And it wasn't a huge challenge. And I don't think that it would have necessarily been like easier for Austin, but it was nice to see that that was taken into consideration. And they did mention it on, I think on fire as well. Um, how that had, like, that is one of the things that they do take into consideration is how tall everyone is. So they find that perfect 
balance where it's even for everyone. Um, and as so a short person, I appreciate that. You say that and that they, I did not listen to on fire, but I listened to Tyson uh, pot has spoken and he the always the arbiter of fairness on survivor, which I love and has become my own little bit throughout the season of like, yep. just making sure that, you know, survivor isn't perfect either just because they're better than the other show and shows uh, they're not perfect. And he brought up that uh, it's interesting. They thought like we found a way to even this out based on the height or whatever. He talked about how it's not at all. It's another one where it's like, yes, it would have taken a pretty ridiculous amount of work to like, make it as even as possible but yeah. that like the height difference mattered mostly of who's it actually easier for to step in and out of the holes the whole way down if you're taller it's like if yeah. drew would have been in this and like your legs clear this way easier but it's like more effort to lift you know more body up or whatever or like was d the perfect height and like big feet versus smaller feet and they like made a funny reference of like you know d's got that big big toe you know that could have it didn't cost her but it you know can because those things were the same size holes to step in as everyone yeah. had and then yeah the end part of like yeah if drew again hypothetically was in this and was way taller it would be easier in theory for him to put the top couple on because he didn't have to do what d did of holding it straight up over her head um right. But yeah, it wasn't totally size adjusted, but it was, you know, they, they were size intended. Not, yeah. But they were saying that in jest of like, well, you know, it would be a little extreme to like, all right, let's measure everyone's feet and then their height and come up with some equation that your squares are this big to step in and this high and everything else. Uh, that would have been a lot, but, uh, yes. I, just, I just, you know, to finish my bit for the season, it's not perfectly <laughs> fair every time, but there's no, there's no way to make it perfectly fair. So D gets to win. Um, really it was, I mean, I was a little disappointed. Austin was the first to like drop and was just trying to go way too fast, uh, which yeah. was not, you know, was not the good strategy. You just can't, you can't speed up until you have to, if you're forced to, if someone's ahead of you and gets to like three cups left or something, speed up great yeah. or not. Cause that's also the position of like, just wait out. And just, your only hope is they, they drop drop. And if you're putting pressure on them, maybe they will. Uh, but he tries to go too fast and was out of it. And then Jake was, it's one of those things where it's always cause Jake does well enough to get in the position to kind of fail. You know, it's yeah. not like he was just like in last and like an afterthought, like there was a couple of the last challenges Julie was in where like, she was just behind the whole time. Yeah. And it wasn't in like, we don't feel bad for Julie at the end or anything. It's just like, ah, oh, she, we, we weren't really paying attention to her that she was just kind of behind. And it was like, in this one, it was yet again, like, I was at the beginning, it was D and Jake were locked in. D was like half a round ahead of him, but they were basically yeah. tied. And then he, you know, he has the moment where he knocks it and it doesn't fall. And you're like, holy shit, something went right for Jake. This is amazing. And then obviously he ultimately knocks it and then knocks it again and gets yelled at by Jeff and says, fuck you, Jeff, and steps on all over it <laughs> and then uh, tries to put it back together afterwards. And it's suddenly very sad again. And it's just like, it didn't yeah. have to be this way. Couldn't you have just lost, like lose normal? Don't, don't get close and then lose. But D wins and ultimately is, you know, probably going to, is going to win the whole thing, but there's still more to talk about. So let's move to the fire making then. So this is the moment where it, I got, I started getting really emotional and really worked up and there was a, there, it was in the air that I was not going to be able to finish the episode and that I might never watch survivor again because, and it was made even more because I happened when I was watching this, 
Um, I was watching in my home office as I typically do. That's my, my computer is my television in my home more, more often than not. And, uh, my wife came in, uh, to, for some reason or whatever. And it was right at, as they were sitting down at tribal council to make fire. And yeah. I, and I, she like saw that I was clearly emotional. And so I paused the episode and I recapped Jake's entire story leading up to that moment, which made it even worse because going into that. And he talks at length about it of just like, I need, I need to win something. He talks about before and after, like, you know, we all, we've all watched Jake's season. We all know how it's happened. We just have referenced it three different times in this episode already of like failed this after failed that, but getting close enough to make the failure stand out and hurt or the, you know, to fumble this fumble that. And I am loving him being clearly being such an awesome dude and just loving him and rooting for him and how hard it's gotten to watch moment after moment of it just not go the right way. And so I was like, dude, if he loses this fire, I am am just the, it's just so devastating. And I was like tearing up in advance because I thought he was going to lose. I thought they were setting it up for like Jake's final loss. And I was just going to be torn up. And then I had to recount to my whole, I paused it without knowing what was about to happen and told my wife the whole story of Jake. And she was then like locked in of like, please God, let this guy win. Like that woman (laughs) looks really nice too. You haven't told me about her. I bet she's great, but please let Jake win. And we watched it. And he won. And if he wouldn't have, I legitimately don't think I would have finished the episode. I would have like started crying and I would have been like, I don't want to watch this anymore. <laughs> and I don't think I'd, I'd, I'll have someone tell me if D won or not, but I don't think I'm going to ever finish the episode. I was just so distraught. And then so happy afterwards of like, thank goodness. Like the guy gets yeah. something. He deserves it more than anyone else. And I'm glad, you know, he has the emotional discussion after of like, I just, my confidence is shattered and I needed that or else the pieces might've stayed on the floor. Um, so I'm guessing this was similar. You referenced earlier, you were similarly emotional yes. over this, uh, this time. And as the number one Jake fan, uh, that you are, I'm guessing you had some similar, similar reactions. I do. Um, I, yeah, when he won and he was having that conversation with Jeff, it's like, I could not deal with it because I relate so much to Jake in like that situation and just to watch him be like, get it right to have his flame still be like burning in the back the entire time. And he had like a good fire and it looked like he wasn't going to when they were building up to it. They did a really good job of burying the lead on it and yeah, like watching him go. And then even though it was only for a second, seeing Katura get, Stark first and it catch first i was like oh god like and i love katura as well like this was like my worst case scenario of yeah, having the two of them yeah, fighting each other horrible that um, she had to be the one on the receiving end of this because i'm like i'm sorry katura, you could have been anyone in the entire world and i yeah. couldn't i wouldn't have been rooting for you because like jake just needed to win this like yeah with this i and i loved it when jeff asked like what what his mindset was like going into that and he just deadpan looked at jeff and he was just like i'm making a fire i'm burning a rope i'm doing it as fast as possible that's what's up and yeah. i was like that is like he, he is was so both locked, locked in, in and trying to hold it together at the same yeah time. yeah and i i loved it like 
probably I know that we've had fast fire makers the last couple of seasons and they've just been getting progressively faster. I don't care. It could have taken them all night and I would not care and it would not diminish how great that was for Jake to get it done. Yeah. It was one of the moments of the season for sure. And it yeah. sucks that, yeah, it does come at the detriment of Katura getting to be in the final, because I will say I was so thrilled and excited that during that tribal council leading up to the make fire making itself, Katura, which I don't remember too many people doing, not at least as aggressively as she did and as, yes. as well as she did, but she was at final tribal council already. She was, yep. she was openly turning to the jury and making like final tribal council style pitches, throwing D knowing that like, if I get there, D's the one I've got to beat. So like, let me start now. Let me start saying yeah. why I'm more deserving than D. Let me paint the picture of D's scared of me. Cause she thinks Such I'm going to win. And I'm just like, dude, <laughs> all right. She finally brought the lawyer out and I love that you're doing it now. This is so smart. Like this is giving you a path to victory. If you beat him in the fire and she ultimately doesn't, yeah. but I shout out to her for realizing like, you don't have to wait till final tribal council to like make your case. Like yeah. I'm going to start it right now. I'm going to take advantage. Like I'm going to make you feel, feel like you made the wrong decision by putting me in fire. You should have just brought me with you and you know, I'm going to use it to my advantage. So that it was, was so fantastic good. from her. So um, good. I just and really wish, I mean, there's no version of Jake versus Austin in fire. There was maybe a version of Austin weaseling his way in there versus Katura, but uh, yeah. it would have been, I think it would have been really fun is I would never want it. Cause again, I literally needed Jake to win this thing or else I might not watch survive forever again. Um, but it would have been a very interesting final tribal. If Katura would have been there as a third person who clearly would have been able to, whether her case yeah. was more deserving or not, would have been able to make it seem like it was on par or better and would have made for, I think the first in the new era, like true, three people could win here three people get votes at least because i think yeah. someone would have voted for her um so it was a bummer to see her go but thank god jake won and we get one more day in tribal council with jake being the third wheel to d and austin so that takes us to the the final day on the beach they have the final breakfast they're you know they're reminiscing i i enjoyed that they went through the I always liked back when they did like the journey, like the walk and they passed Me by too, everyone's torch and we got the little moment with everyone. They did kind of a newer, a different a spin on that where we got yeah. every jury member one at a time in order talking about one of the players, but also kind of referencing their own game in it and just getting a moment to remember both of them. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> she was like was you do before. not need to be hydrated right now and she just like drop kicked my water bottle across the room oh did it spill everywhere or is I don't it think so. a sealed lid it's, oh nice it's uh it's got a straw on the top but it's got like a really good seal oh. around the straw um so if i see it start to leak i'll go get it but okay wonderful right now i'm good <laughs> so uh and then we ultimately get to um you know, we just pretty much get straight to the final tribal council. You know, it's a fun, fun little memory lane thing, but we're, we're at the final tribal and I go in obviously thinking there's no way D's going to lose, but I did not feel that way for the entirety of the final tribal council, which I was thrilled about that. We got a little bit of drama and I'm interested mm -hmm. to see if you feel similar as I do, yeah. as far as how it went down. The first couple questions are kind of whatever. 
And then the third and fourth people to ask questions are Drew and Emily. And on both of their questions and the subsequent responses, uh, Emily's, which was specifically D, I need you just to say one time where like yeah. you and only you did something like, can you give me a succinct response to your best move, your whatever. And in those third and fourth responses, I thought D had really bad, an like bad answers as far as like, like she had good things she could have said uh, and just didn't like gave poor answers. And Austin on the other side went on the full offensive was the first to like, kind of like, say something against D and yeah. like put himself over her versus like just playing nice and only talking about yourself. And he, his case sounded legit. He laid out really well. I think his like strongest point was, you know, when we were split up, me and drew actually had to like do something. Cause we weren't with four Reba members in a new six person tribe. And those two didn't yeah. and like making that distinction. And in that moment, after then Emily asked D direct and her answer is just kind of not great back. I'm like, holy shit, like Austin, maybe I was wrong. Maybe Austin can win this because D is blowing this right now, kind of. And then it all turned when the next question, it flipped entirely. And I thought Austin blew that specific answer. And D finally got to the thing that mattered the most, which is, I told Austin told me in the moment that mattered. And that's why Emily, you're sitting over there. And I didn't tell him in the moment that mattered and drew. That's why you're sitting over there. And he, his emotions got caught up in it and mine did not. And that's why I should win. And Austin like, doesn't have much to say against it. It doesn't have a good argument back. And it completely flips back to like, yes, she should win. She is the best player here. And that moment is the most consequential of all of it. And now it kind of got laid to bear, but yeah. there was leading up to that question. I was like, holy shit. Like she's kind of blowing it. And Austin's kind of winning this thing. I still didn't think that I thought that Austin might get a vote or two but I still wasn't really high on Austin supply like during final. And I think it was because Jake was getting so much respect from the jury that I could see it possibly going a different way. Um, but as far as D goes, I actually thought funny that the th questions like three and four were the ones where you're like, I don't know. Questions one and two were the ones where I was like, I don't know if she's got this. Yeah, it was really she co -opted, the first four. All yeah, the, they, the she co-opted their answers where she was like, I agree with, with what you're saying and I have a similar thing to say and then would add a little bit and then the same with Austin. I found where she hit her stride was when Austin was talking about um, – and it was like one succinct moment. It was where Austin was talking about uh, Drew and him roping in Emily and strengthening the Reba 4 with an extra member – and D kind of countered that with, yeah, and I did the exact same thing with Katura, and that's why we're able to get where we were, was we both were able to do that. So she, while Austin spoke about it better, she basically said, yeah, but that's a vote, that's a point for both of us because we both did the exact same thing. And then she went into, like, you're here because of this, you're here because of this. And her telling Austin at final tribal that she told Julie, just after he said, I that know that she did not tell Julie. Yeah. I was like, cool. Uh, that was joy. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy like, second place. Yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, I also really liked that drew of all people was the one who told Jake that he wasn't giving himself enough credit and really like upped his 
gameplay because he and Drew were the ones that sort of like went back and forth a little bit and kind of went toe to toe. But for Drew to just be like, you're not giving yourself enough credit. This is what you did. And this is how we see your game. Um, like, I, th- I think the final tribal, despite not winning, probably went best for Jake as a person, as a player versus like D who obviously won. Yeah. I think they just all, they all knew none of them were going to vote for Jake and they all loved him. And so it was very easy for them all to be like, we can all allow ourselves to like pump him up and like talk, yeah. you know, talk in the best light possible. Cause it's not going to sway any of our opinions or like change something where afterwards we're like, wait a minute. Like, I know we all like the guy, but did we just, did he win because we all wanted to be nice to him and it felt bad or something, you know? So I think they were just all on the same page of great human, not going to get any votes. So like, let's pump him up and like, tell him how he deserves to be here and everything else, which is lovely. And I definitely appreciate it. Well, and I also don't, I think that the same thing that happened on season 40 uh, winners at war kind of happened here where they didn't want one person to win right like so like the people who voted d they didn't want austin to win that's why they voted for d Mm -hmm. but any vote that went to jake at that point was also potentially awarding d or austin depending on what side you sat yeah yeah because it was gonna come down once they realized it was going to be close and they probably knew that going in because they're the jury like they probably had at least one conversation about it um I, I really think that one of the main reasons that Jake didn't get like a single vote and probably why we've been seeing more of like zero vote finalists in the new era is because they don't want to accidentally give somebody a vote and then crown a different winner. Yeah. 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 You don't want that third party candidate costing yours just because you didn't, you didn't like your party's nominee and you vote for the third party and then suddenly yeah you still would have taken your party's nominee over the other one. And now, you know, now you, you cost yourself a little bit. Totally. Exactly. Um, the other two final things to discuss here are three things. Actually, the first one that I didn't totally understand, and maybe she spoke about it at during the reunion immediately after, I feel it's weird to call it a reunion when like, they're just, you know, the post show, whatever you want to call it. Um, or maybe you've seen or read anything or listened to interviews after since the episode. Uh, but Emily d- hates men or hates Austin or something because when she vo- plays her vote, she, I think I had it written down. What does she say? She votes for votes for D and says, don't you dare spend a dime of this on that man referring to Austin. And then like, it's just, and I'm like, wait, you were such buddy, buddy with Austin and drew D is the one that got you out of the game. And now you're like full blown. And Emily is also the one that as much as, you know, the moment where D D says, Austin, actually you're wrong. I, I did tell Julie and you know, that that's the moment, but Emily brings it back in Austin's face near the end of the tribal, uh, where they like ask about the showman's directly. Julie asks about it. And (laughs) And Emily straight up after Austin's answer is like, no, 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 no. It was weakness that you told D like he like says you were weak to his face or whatever. So like, where did that come from? When did Emily start 
why does she have this like vendetta against Austin suddenly or against men? We've learned earlier in the season, you know, she's decided maybe she would get married finally to the man she's been with for a long time and is going to spend her whole life with, which I actually support people who are like, we can live together our whole lives without getting married. That's a totally different podcast. But <laughs> uh, do you have any inclination as to why Emily suddenly hates Austin's guts? I don't, but I don't think she necessarily hated him so much as she said when she left the game that she was going to be awarded the best player and then solidified by Dee's responses at Final Tribal um, and probably even accentuated by the fact that Emily doesn't really play with emotions. She's very like fact-based. So the fact that Dee was able to do that against Austin, not tell him, and like to go to that point, whereas Austin did play a more emotional game. I think that that's where that came from. And also just a matter of like, you won this, it's your money. Don't spend it on anyone else, except for obviously family. Um, but yeah, to say, Last if you, man. yeah, if you dare spend, I think it was, if you dare spend a penny on that boy, I'm going to fly down to Miami and I think she said like take it back or whatever. Um, now she is also a financial analyst. So that could have something to do with it. But no, I think it was just like a matter of, yeah, there's a showmance, but like, this is yours. Yeah. Well, to wrap a bow on that part first, uh, you know, villain Emily strikes back to, to end the season the same way she came in. And I love every second of it. I, I, you know, my feelings for Austin, notwithstanding, uh, I don't know that he deserved it, but I loved it every, every second of it from Emily. And it also goes to show she is the rational, logical one. Yep who uh, maybe just got excited to be able to like call out the clear rational logic of like, she's better than you. Cause we just, we just, you tried to deny it, but we, we all heard the thing that just went down, but also she's the only one that saw what I started to see in the second to last episode in the finale episode. And it broke my heart to some degree and it totally came to fruition. Austin got played deed was not, <laughs> It's all bullshit. D's a savage. I love I love it. It's amazing. It's what this show needs. But uh, spoiler alert, they're not together. They want to claim to kind of be together, but it's low-key or whatever. I've read all the reports. I've seen all the interviews where they dodge the questions, and they're like, it's low-key. We're, you know, we live in different places. Whatever. I'm not hearing any of it. That's D. D is not interested in a relationship with this man. D was interested in winning a million dollars and she took advantage of it. And I'm sure she loved the attention and did enjoy the long conversation on the beach. I'm not saying there was no genuine parts of it, but I do not think, I think Austin fell in love with a girl and a girl fell in love with winning a million dollars and won because of it and being able to be a savage. And I think Emily was the one who saw that playing his day during, you know, was got all the emotion out of there and was like, no, 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 no. She, yeah, she thinks he's cute and fun and likes talking to it, but she objective number one has remained for her. Whereas for him, he kind of got mixed objective number ones out of this and started right. talking Robin Amber. And she was like, uh, I, I would like to win. Amber did win, but uh, I don't need a ring and I don't really need you afterwards as anything more than a good friend who helped me get this million dollars. Uh, so I think she, I think she played him and I standing ovation for it. I think that she was able to play a more like separate game where I don't doubt how they felt for one another, but also she was in it to win. That was her ultimate goal she had her family in mind, and I I think it was, I want to say it was Jesse that said it, but 
your alliance is the people that you have at home that you came at, like you left to go play. Yeah. So her alliance is always going to be her family, but I wouldn't be surprised if they are trying to figure stuff out because they did seem to jive well. And they're in a lot of the photos from um, like the live watch parties and stuff like that. They're usually like connected at the hip. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what, what becomes of it. For me, the big thing um, just to go back to the Emily thing for a minute was in addition to her being able to say like, you played with emotion, you played strategy, would also be kind of like, hey, jury, instead of addressing the jury directly, saying like, vote with vote based on fact, don't vote based on emotion, Mm -hmm. that D is the one who played arguably the best game out of the three people sitting here. So don't vote with emotion just because you like Austin and you think he's a great guy. and it kind of goes back to when Boston Rob won. And one of the guys from the jury got up at the start and said, like, look, if you don't vote for Rob, then you're not voting for Rob because you're vindictive and you're bitter. He played a better game than all of us. That's why he's there and we're all over here. So a vote for anyone but Rob does a disservice to his game. And I sort of feel like that was obviously much more low key, but I feel that that's what she was kind of going for, especially where all throughout any time that she's talked about who she will vote for it's always been the best player and that's what she's kind of advocated for so i almost see it as like another step towards that of like vote with your brain don't vote with your heart yeah i'm with you and i'm being a little facetious i don't (laughs) she did i don't think she played him in a vindictive uh villainous way although i clearly if you've listened to this whole season i'm rooting for that to be a, a real thing that someone does uh i think uh we both said it and you said it very well of just she kept priority one game first and that could all yeah. happen but when it came to make decisions that was put to the side and ignored and he did not he mixed the two and that was ultimately the the downfall for him and the winning ingredient for her and i do obviously hope them the best and uh, i would love to see a real uh friendship a relationship whatever whatever else uh so but i just you know have to have a little fun so i i i hyperbolize it to make it really fun and crazy and wild reality television stuff in my head but this is survivor and it doesn't usually have that you know johnny fairplay was a long long time ago now and i don't know that we're ever going to get something of that level again not on this show at least but that takes me to the final point uh i kind of referenced earlier when we were talking about the jake austin immunity challenge um you know that i kind of felt like jake lost as much as austin won that is a an analogy a, a sports analogy that's used a lot when talking about like a game or a match of like you know, if one team that was maybe better, but had a lot of unforced errors or whatever, and it's like that, that team yeah. kind of lost more than a team won, or like that team won that game versus like they weren't given anything, anything like that. I want it to be very clear that D was absolutely the 100% best player this season. And I think like a really high level, great survivor player. And yeah. I'm thrilled that we got a season where the person, that person actually wins because in the modern era, especially, I think that person, it's become incredibly difficult for that person who is clearly not only the best player in that particular game, but also seems to just have the skill set that would make them an amazing survivor player on any given season. It's really tough for that person to actually win. Uh, Jesse, I think is the standout example of that, of like, it's just really hard 
to get through that kind of six, five, four range when you are clearly the best player and D had the most moves under her belt was just ha- the most well-rounded won some challenges one, you know, had a great social standing with everyone, not just her Alliance, but everyone across the board had made the right moves at every time, the whole thing. She was absolutely fantastic. She won this season and I'm thrilled she won and she deserves it 110%. However, <laughs> she did that. We, I say that, you know, it's hard for that person in the position she was in to get through six, five, four. And yep. the reason I feel like she did where the Jesse's of the last five seasons have not is because a bunch of mistakes were made to help her survive that portion, which ultimately gives me the result. I want of seeing the best person win again. Yep. Um, but it, it does need to be pointed out that drew didn't need to tell Austin who didn't need to tell D and that would have changed everything. Jake pitching rocks instead of, I have an idol and we'll use it for you. That changed everything. Katura changing her vote when Jake again, didn't say I'll use my idol for you changed everything. And so all three of those decisions probably end up in D going home. One of them, a hundred, literally a hundred percent is D going home is the switch vote yeah. at the end. But those first two could have ended up in D going home or at minimum end up with Julie going home and D being completely on the outs from everyone else. And so it took those kind of mistakes paired with the best player actually being able to get through that final little stretch of the game that I think they have more or less designed for exactly yeah. what has happened up until this season to happen of like, you need some help at this point. Like you, there either needs to be not definitively a best player or the best player is going to need some help to survive or have to do like incredible immunity challenge run of like, you got to basically win the last three or four in a row because once you're in that position, it's going to be really hard to survive it. And, uh, and so I'm glad D did. And I want to make sure that it, my opinion of she is one of, one of the best players we've seen in the new era and, beyond a deserving winner and i'm thrilled that the best player won but it did also weirdly take those mistakes to kind of help her get there and highlights how hard it is for the best player to actually win the season yeah and she even i like that she also acknowledged that her she was there by a lot of luck as well as much as she played a good game she was also very lucky and I think that also stands out as like, you don't hear that a lot at final tribal. Everybody tries to own every element of their game. Whereas she was like, yeah, some, some of it totally came down to luck. Like I was lucky to be put in Reba because D could have been on Lulu and they could have just like completely cannibalized and we wouldn't have seen her play. And I think I would say D is probably, well, D is the best winner of the new era, arguably one of the best players of the new era. And this cast as a whole is probably one of the best casts, I would say, of the last 10 seasons. Um, I would have loved to have seen them play a 39-day game. I also think that it's worth noting that, um, and I don't know, I think it must have been in the after show rather than in, um, in the actual episode, but Jeff referenced that this group really relied on relationships more than we've seen in the past and really worked within those relationships and sort of like used the idols and advantages as needed to either strengthen or reduce relationships but relationships were always at the forefront and i think that's really interesting i think it's worth noting because 
pretty much everybody has said 45 is the best season of the new era. Yeah. And then you've got Jeff saying it's all based on relationships, which is what Survivor used to be before we had all these idols and advantages and twists and turns and everything else. So I don't know that he'll ever acknowledge it directly, but this is probably as close as we're going to get to Survivor saying relationship-based gameplay is some of the best gameplay because it also really relies on strategy and who you know, who you're working with, all of those elements. And it takes so much of the game of chance back out of it because even this season when there were idols and advantages and things like that, they weren't really at the forefront. Caleb used his uh, shot in the dark. Um, and I mean, D one like, person leave with an idol in their pocket and Bruce. Yep. Yeah. Julie saved by an idol uh, on the Emily vote. And we had Austin misuse the idol at the end or not kind of not use the idol when Drew goes out. And uh, Drew went out without, oh, Drew let his, um, knowledge without power or whatever the heck it's called skip, a, skip expire the, skip the tribal yeah expire or whatever yeah. so um, yeah and we had i think you were smart enough to point out a few episodes back when i mentioned that you know jeff took a slight victory lap on hey you guys realize there's not that many idols and advantages and stuff and that it was in part because they kept failing <laughs> yeah. on the journeys or choosing not to play. Uh, and so there was an opportunity for some more to be involved that were either lost or not tried. But uh, if anything, that's uh, something for the production team of like, keep making it really hard. Like you can yeah. have the journey and have the idols available, but make it really hard so that some people either choose not to do it or, or if, fail. if they get it, they've like really earned it and you feel really good about them now having this extra yeah. thing in the game and whatever. But yeah, I'm with you. I think they, I'm glad they subtly acknowledge and he probably never will say straight up, Hey, this came as close to like kind of the old version of things is, and then now everyone likes it again. Um, yeah. But hopefully internally they are putting that together, realizing that and incorporating that into uh, the next seasons. Although, you know, at this point they've, uh, well, not at the, he saw all this play out and then they immediately filmed 46, you right. know, but hopefully when we see 46 in a couple months here, uh, they continued on this trend and uh, stuck with it and it'll make for another great season. Hell yeah. So with that, uh, D gets the win. That's uh, all for the finale portion of this recap. We will now transition into the award section, but again, this is now going to be full season awards. So let's get our biggest trophies of the season. Let's polish them up and let's pick some winners. All righty. So awards for the full season, we're going to run through basically the same awards that we do for an episode, but this time for the full season, see how that works. Nice and easy. So we got quote moment, best and worst strategy season MVP, which is the real award we've all come here for. It's the real, you know, this, that's the best picture. That's, that's the end all be all. That's the only thing that truly matters. D might have a million dollars, but does she get the survivor historian season MVP trophy? That's really ultimately the more honorable and respected award out there it's true. than the sole survivor title in million dollars. And we're also going to throw in favorite cast member. And I might even surprise Tony with a couple others that I didn't prepare him for. So let's start with best quote. And with best quote, I first have a question for you, Tony, that I, you might not remember this homework assignment, but hopefully if you didn't, uh, you can think of it off the top of your head way back in one of the first episodes we did. I asked you to come up with who 
there's a separate award. There's the best quote of the season, but then there's also the confessional king or queen of the yes. season, which in the challenge world, I ha- is the only one named after someone and is the Dan Renzi confessional king or queen of the season because he was the first ever confessional king of the challenge world way back on season three and five and nine and uh i asked you if there was someone an og survivor player that could be the award could be named after as like the best narrator confessional king or queen uh do you have anyone that comes to mind that we could name this award for i mean the tyson apostle confessional was he early enough though was he og enough he's 18 Okay. Yeah. Would there have been anyone before him, like in the, in the single digits though, that would have, I was watching at that point, but I was such a little kid. So I don't like, remember, I remember. I mean, the Rob Sestronino confessional King. That would be fair because he did go on to build a podcasting empire around it. So he's pretty good at talking. We know that. He did. Yeah. Um, Yeah. He had some really funny confessionals. We could, the Rob has a podcast, Confessional King or Queen of the Season. Uh, yeah, working title. We'll go with that. But uh, let's talk through some of our favorite quotes of the season and who we think was the best confessional king or queen of the season. Uh, I will go first and then I'll pass it over to you for the part that I'm confident we have in unison here. Uh, I have three that I'm going to mention before we get to Jake and Jake's thousand entries into this award. Uh, yes. I have Sabaya in episode two to Emily saying, I can't help how I feel just like you can't help how you say things, <laughs> um, which was just a great start for Emily. Also in episode two, I had Kayla, my, you know, my soccer NBA fan in me, this tribe is so bad. We're like the Cavs when LeBron left first time we suck. We can't win anything that just played perfectly to all of my interests in life. And then episode five, Brando, when Kendra went to eat the worm and he said 70% 13 or 70% protein, 30% poop and caught her very off guard. And then I have a list of basically everything Jake said all season long. And it's like a 30 page document. Um, I'm guessing you had a long Jake section at minimum as a part of this. Yes. Um, I will, I will give out some, some other mentions leading up to it. I also had the 70% protein, 30% poop line with a number of dots in between to give just enough pause for Kendra to have put it in her mouth. Um, I also, I also liked Austin's. She took my sandwich. So I don't mind her going as if that was like the final nail in the coffin for him, regardless of how Kelly had played. Um, Katura's even just in the finale of, I mean, I don't think Jake can get as close to Austin as you, which in conversation with she made me. a couple of fun she was the only one who made like funny comments about the relationship and like teased them yeah. about it and everyone should have been teasing them about it and she's the only one that did it so thank you Katara, for <laughs> many things you brought to this season but being the only one who was like we're allowed to like in fun tease them about this guys like come on this yeah. is cute and no one else did and i mean drew had a lot of really good ones throughout Drews were all monologues that, so they were too long for me to like write down usually, but I do want to say, yes, it's between Drew and Jake for the confessional king or queen of the season. And I'm probably going to pick a quote from Drew or from Jake, I mean, and give him the quote of the year for any of these nominations we're about to rattle off. And so part of me, my love for Drew, I kind of want to say that Drew is the confessional king or queen because I do think as great as Jake was, uh, Drew goes over the top tiebreaker with 
the tribal council monologue of the year is all his monologues. Um, so I'm, I'm leaning drew for the, the full season, but for the specific quote, anything Jake that came out of Jake's mouth. Yeah. So for, for Drew's, it was way back when, um, Austin and Drew were spelling off each other for looking for the idol. And then the other one was standing a look as a lookout. And he was explaining how Austin were, were the plan was for Austin to talk about tacos. And then Drew was like, or sorry, Drew would talk about tacos. And then it was Austin's job to come out and be like, Oh, I also love tacos. And then that's how they would have their alibi. And I was like, it's so dumb, but it would probably work, but it's so dumb. And then the fact that Austin wasn't even there, he was just off looking for coconuts to provide a secondary alibi made it even better. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love Drew so much. Um, yeah. I'll give a couple. I mean, there's so many from Jake to pick from. I don't, I liked the succession a couple episodes in a row of, I don't know. I'm kind of sucking at survivor right now. Hopefully I stop sucking. That's the goal. That opened yeah. one episode, and then the very next episode opens with, hi, I'm Jake. I'm still on Survivor. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like it, there was a, a string of episodes where it just every time opened with, I'm still here, happy yeah. again, didn't vote me out, kind of messed up, still here, don't you love me? And I'm like, we really do, Jake. We couldn't yeah, love we more. Um, and then I also had... As an actor, I felt like the past couple of votes have been an extra. I've been playing the tree. I've been doing a very good job of playing the tree. But to be honest with you, I'm sick of playing the goddamn tree. So with this vote, I'm more of a supporting role. Uh, that one was really great. And then my favorite from the last ep second to last episode, we were looking for peppers on the rocks. We were looking for peppers, you know, under the leaves and the trees. We were looking for peppers everywhere. You know, I need some spice in this game. Um, so those were some of my favorites. Of uh, there could have been twenty of them. Uh, yeah. Did you have a? Did, were you able to finally pick a, a favorite Jake quote from the season? I mean, the tree one is stand out for me. Um, although I'm making fire, I'm burning a rope, I'm doing it as fast as possible. That's what's up. Is by far my favorite Jake quote season and my favorite quote of the season because it was just like so succinct so straight up and he was just ready to go yeah i'm i'm willing to give that one too my winner was just going to be any any jake quote you pick, pick <laughs> your favorite at home um but that is the quote of the year for us and i think i do want to lean because otherwise i don't know that he's going to get talked about much more and deserves to that i just really love drew and uh he he gets the rob Sirstenino. Uh, Rob has a podcast confessional King or queen slash monologue at tribal best monologuer of the season award. Uh, I'm going to give to drew with that. Then let's move to after MVP. This is, this is the other, the other award that probably in survival well, and survivor, we're going to do strategic move best and worst. And I don't do that on the challenge. Um, all these other awards are the same that I would do for a challenge season and best moment is really kind of the other. It's kind of like, MVPs like best director and best moments like best picture so in some some ways so it's a big award it matters it's the one that you know down the road if you want to talk the greatest moments iconic moments of survivor history you're going to just kind of pull the winner from every season and throw them in a bracket or something so this award matters let's talk through you can go first and uh give me a couple couple of the moments that stood out to you as the best of the season yeah so Caleb canceling out 11 votes for like sure. That was episode six, which happened yeah. earlier when I was going back through, I was like, Oh damn, they did get to the merge kind of quick. 
and also it was another reminder of like this is a nice 13 episodes it's a great number for a season other shows should yeah. should uh, pay attention to that but i was like searching and searching and i had to keep going back and episode but i was like damn it was episode six that that happened like at the halfway mark so yep, yeah i had that one listed and i'm gonna get sabaya back in the mix burning that candle at final like at tribal like baller move bringing all your supplies and just being like this is how i'm gonna do it and tossing it in there and watching jeff try to calculate in the moment if this is something that they can allow to happen was great because it means that it's something that they did not prepare for and you always like to see when something like that happens because they do plan so meticulously so even 45 in for them to still have the cast do something that they were not anticipating is fantastic had that one written down as well. Fantastic, fantastic stuff and saved us from only having the quitting to talk about. Uh, we yep. got something else fun to discuss during those episodes. Um, Very true. What else do you got and on the list? We're I mean, you, so get, you gotta go, you gotta go. I'm going to do two Emily's back to back of calling out Bruce on the boat in the very beginning and then making like convincing Bruce that he was so safe that he didn't play his idol later on. So that juxtaposition of that relationship was fascinating to me. I had Emily calling out Bruce listed. I have her convincing Bruce not to play his idol in the next award for best strategic move, but uh, uh, not have it listed as best moment. But uh, I like what your point out there of the kind of bookends of that relationship was pretty great. Um, I'll throw in a couple of mine here and we'll see if we can continue staying on the same page. Speaking of Bruce, there had to be something Bruce Katura related on this list. And I decided to go with the, the last lasting image of it, which was Bruce trying out his lie on Katura and thinking for some reason that that would be a good idea of how to approach that strategy that ultimately cost him his game when it probably should not have. Um, and just, watching that interaction after everything they had been through and everything we knew about their relationship uh was just was just something really special <laughs> to watch yeah. um i had also that was in episode 10 also from episode 10 the boys day with the kenny loggins um and that they oh, hell yeah. the kenny loggins track uh that was that was really good and really fun and then episode 12 jake's nearly naked idol search not quite naked idol search but nonetheless entertaining idol search I had listed. And then my final nominee and the one that I would say is definitely the winner for me by in a major way, like nothing else even comes close to it is the back-to-back episode of Austin and D on the beach and Austin tells D and the next episode D does not tell Austin and how perfect that the, the, just everything aligning for that to take place, how perfect it was and how beautifully it displayed the main crux of the difficulty of playing survivor and it was just unbelievable and fascinating and also then ends up being the reason one of those two people won over the other one uh yeah. it's just too perfect so to me that is definitely the standout moment of the season even if it is two moments but they're completely and utterly intertwined absolutely i will co-sign that gladly 
Yeah. So Dean Austin, you do get to share one thing and that is the, uh, the trophy for this. We'll get you two trophies, uh, for your two different homes that you'll continue living in. Now, best strategic move. We gave away one of the, uh, nominees or one of my nominees that you already referenced here. Emily convincing Bruce not to play his idol and that sending him home while I did not love her, uh, how she went about celebrating that after the fact, the move itself was definitely one of the best moves of the game. I then was mostly because I didn't go through my notes that meticulously. I didn't have a ton of others to put down on here. I only came up with three nominees. I had that one. I had Caleb befriending Emily in the first place and just seeing that like that was a smart thing and ultimately proved to be very beneficial to both of them in the early going. I had that listed. And then the third one and probably the, the biggest one for me, I guess, was in fact the dual decision of D telling Julie in that moment. And then also Julie, I know she obviously doesn't go on to even be in the final three or win, but I think Julie does make the right decision in voting for Emily and not yeah. going with Austin in that moment. Um, and so the dual decision of D telling Julie and Julie voting Emily out and Emily going home off of one single vote uh, was, was the standout strategic move, the best move of the game in my opinion. But I, I, again, didn't go through my notes that meticulously. So do you have others that deserve to be mentioned in this category? So I actually like went through all my notes and then just picked one. Okay. And great. It down and it was 100% detailing Julie to play the idol and to take out Emily and Julie on following through on that. Yeah. I think it, I mean, yeah, I think it's pretty clear cut that one, you know, other, if that someone would have got D out, that would have been the biggest move of the game. But the biggest move of the game in my mind was, you know, I was on the Emily's going to win uh train <laughs> yeah. there for three, four five weeks in a row uh, and was definitely shaping up to be the biggest threat along with D and she took her out and, you know, only was able to because of all of, the social capital she had built to get all of the information she needed. And then to be able to trust an ally to do, to go through with the plan and D to be able to be confident enough of like, I'm not, I'm still going to vote for you. I'm yeah. at, I'm trusting you to not like one to not go real crazy and vote for me out of this. That would be fucking shocking. Um, but to like not X my other person that you've brought up yeah. here. Um, so that, yeah, that whole thing is clearly, Clearly and far above the, the biggest move of the season, I think. Um, maybe because, yeah, all the other ones, unfortunately, the the big people that went home near the end are more nominees for the worst strategic move that took place yeah, to yeah. end up with them there than they are the best. So uh, Dee and Julie will give you the joint best strategic move. Let's talk worst strategic move then. Um, the only negative category. Uh, I've never done a negative award like this before, but it's too much fun. We have to. And there unfortunately was a lot of deserving nominees. I'll let you go first. Did you also just pick one for this or did you have a kind of list of nominees? I had a few. Um, So I'll go like, excuse me, I'll go as far back, which is, well, I mean, Sabaya taking a shot at Caleb that early. Um, However, understanding as well that Sean was actually her number one and it wasn't Caleb, but they also suffered from only having four people on their tribe by the end of it. So they had, they had to start making day 20 moves on day, like six Um, Brando not working harder to build a rapport with Emily. Um, I do understand as well, having listened to some of like the interviews and stuff like that, that the reason that he didn't was because Kendra had said from her time on uh, Lulu beach that she had a good 
relationship with Emily. So Brando chose not to work as hard on that. And it ended up costing him his game, but it also ended up costing pretty much all of Bellow because Emily then went with Austin and Drew and became a pretty dominant force in the game from that point forward. And if they could have gotten her on their side from the jump, completely different game mm-hmm. by like by the time that we're talking about it now. But for me, the like the worst move, worst strategic move is Emily taking credit for Bruce um, because she already had a big target by making the move and she was already on D's radar, which is a bad place to be based on the entire season of anytime someone was on D's radar, she they went home, but she then got on Julie's radar as well. And it was then realized just how big of a threat she was and how much she had changed and how much she had improved her game to the point where no one wanted to sit next to her. Yeah. Um, those are some good nominees and yeah, I concur as much as we just, you know, he gave Emily the best strategic move for convincing Bruce, uh, did not like the then opening of the next episode where she not only took took a lot of credit, but did so by being like, yeah, Julie, I told him you were going for him. Like, and it was so great. It was so convincing. It was like, oh, well, I'm a little nervous about you now, but thanks. That's great. He's (laughs) gone. Um, that was on my list. I had, I had a lot on my list. Uh, let's see here. So Bruce not playing his idol uh, also should just be mentioned of like, I was Emily convincing. Sure. Um, but you still, I don't know. I, I think you still play your idol. And if you, if you have a problem, uh, he didn't have the read of the room that everyone felt the way that they felt about him. Yeah. Um, so for us at home, it seems like how in the world would you not play your idol in that situation? I totally get that. He obviously was there experiencing it and did not have the editing read of the room that we did, but it still is tough to tough to leave with an idol in your pocket. When you've openly said at that tribal council, I should probably play this idol that's in my pocket right now. And everyone knows I have it. So that's tough. And then a bunch of ones we've already referenced, but I will go through the list again because it's just <laughs> a magnificent episode by episode uh, uh, mismanagement of of capital in the game. First off, Austin not getting his idol back. Uh, just take it back, dude. Just yeah. take it back. The next day, you give someone an idol to hold on to, you take it back the next day. They're not able to do anything about it if you go to them that night. They are. They could keep it, but they're yeah. not going to. If immediately afterwards you pull them to the side at night and are like, hey, cool, glad we didn't have to use that. Oh, it wasn't that great. We got everything we wanted to happen happen. Can I have that back now? Then at worst case, yeah, Julie's like, no, you can't. I think I'm going to keep it. And you're like, cool, we're enemies now, Julie. That's good. That's how this works. Uh, and it's a very different game. So at least asking and not just being like, I guess she's keeping it. Like what the fuck? Like, you know, the whole time, that's not a good strategy, not playing his idol for drew. I know this is pretty minor compared to all the other infractions. He was in the dark, but uh, maybe should have sensed he was in the dark and, or just it's the last time you could play the idol. So like, if you feel as comfortable as he felt, because when he plays it for himself, he's like, I, I don't know. It's just, I, I should play it. Yeah. I don't think I need to, but like, I should play it play it for someone, whoever you think, you know, maybe he could have played it for drew. It's a weak, it's a weak nominee, but it's, it's still mentionable. Yeah. Then the three, the the big three covered in this episode, drew telling Austin who tells D or you didn't need Austin or his vote in it. You could have separated yourself from the re before. And in my mind, positioned yourself to be the best player in the game. And drew did not do that. Jake pitching rocks 
not once, but twice as his big, bold move and strategy. And the second time doing it with an idol in his pocket, that could have been the strategy and he would not have needed to pitch the tie and it would have worked and everyone would have been on board and they could have done it. And D would have went home and he pitched rocks instead. And then third and finally, Katura changing her vote, uh, which may or may not have flipped the million dollars from her to D. Uh, those three, but because all of those three in my mind are pretty equivalent in big ties, I'm going to actually give my vote for who should get the award to Hannah and Sean. Remember those two? <laughs> they quit. That's the worst strategy on Survivor. So. I think quitting was the worst strategy. That's fair. I thought about it. And then I was like, there's so many like in-game strategic moves that are worth mentioning in this category this season that I decided to like leave them where they were. But I totally agree. They definitely did not win as a result of that strategy. Yeah, you you 100% lose if you quit. Yeah. So a bunch of other mistakes were made. And I should also say, this I'm not like, wow, these, none of this is like me saying these people are like not smart or like, look at oh, no. people like made mistakes forever. Big mistakes are a part of the game and it is part of the entertainment of the game and everything. They're, they're supposed to happen. They're going to happen every season. And uh, so that's why it's kind of fun to like talk about them and talk about all the hypo like, you know, hypotheticals of what could have happened or everything. Uh, if I was ever lucky enough to play survivor, you you for damn sure i'm gonna have a very jake like path if i exist for any length of time in the game okay i i might not be i might not pitch rocks i might be able to not do that but otherwise uh i would be on this list too so this is no shade to any of them but yeah no. in such a crowded difficult field i think we've got to just go with hannah and sean quitting because it's the totally. clearest cut is the only move i'm confident i wouldn't make uh yeah i might get medical evac that's a different type of quitting <laughs> but that is not quitting quitting so Worst strategy, Hannah and Sean. And now, before we do season MVP, a quick one. Favorite cast member of the season, which may or may not align with an MVP vote here in a second, but maybe it doesn't. Um, who, Tony, were your favorite cast members of the season? Or a little secondary one, too, maybe along with your favorite of the season, a cast member you wish we got more time with. So maybe someone voted out in the first half of the season that you wish we would have got more time with. Do you have anyone that stands out and you just want to give, give a shout out to here before we get to the big, big award of MVP. Yeah. So, I mean, Sabaya, like we, we were robbed from having Sabaya in this game. Um, I think if it goes a little bit differently, she goes deep. She was my winner pick. Like when I, when we started our preseason, and we had our conversation. I said it was between D Kelly and Sabaya. And I went with Sabaya. And then I ultimately chose D, which ended up being like one of the very few times that I have predicted a winner. Um, so go me on that. Nailed but it. Sabaya, like a hundred percent. I want to see her back again. I want, I would have loved to have seen her go deeper into this game. Um, as far as favorite cast members, I will, I would, my favorite four are Jake Katura, Emily, and Caleb. Um, which is funny because it's two Bello and two Lulu, and none of the people who dominated the, the entirety of the game from Reba, which is not a discredit to them, but more so like these four are my vibe, they're what I look for in a in a survivor player. And Caleb's the the Canadian, so of course I'm gonna root for Caleb. Plus, he was fantastic. I would watch 
all five of those people play again in a heartbeat. And I think they will if we start getting returning seasons. Really, no matter what the format, whether it's like a second chance or game changer or anything like that, I can see these these five in contention. Yeah, for sure. Um, I am aligned with you on a bunch of that. Uh, as far as like players who were we didn't get a lot of that I would have been interested in more, I definitely well, I was really high on Sean and then he quit. So, you know, that I have mixed feelings now there. Uh, I don't know that I would want more, but I was definitely really bummed. Yeah. Uh, if you just would have told, if he would have just got voted out, you know, third or whatever, I would, he would be my answer for this. Brando is the other one that I was kind of like, I, I wish I maybe would have had a little more time with you, but as far as favorite cast members go, it was tough. Cause I love a lot of this cast. Yeah. Um, so the five people I ended up putting up, which is a lot, I was trying to come up with one and I do have one answer that everyone probably knows, but five get mentioned, Emily, Drew, Katura, and Caleb. I loved for different reasons, but thought they brought a lot to the show and I just really vibed well with them and loved them. But my favorite cast member by far is Kelly, uh, who I love dearly. And I want to give her one special shout out. And this is only, this is not because I'm a weirdo or something. This is because she openly had a really funny tweet about this being okay. And so I just want to give her flowers. Kelly, you are super attractive and I find you super attractive. You're super hot and we should all talk about it. And I'm saying this because she had a funny tweet or retweet of someone tweeted about, uh, Austin and uh, I think it was about Austin and D's like showmance or whatever, but then like put it at the end, but like low key Kelly is like super hot. We didn't talk about it. Now that I'm like seeing her on jury or whatever. And Kelly retweeted it and was like, talk about it. It's the only thing I've got left. I got voted out. You might as well go ahead talk about it. So there you go, Kelly, you're a very attractive woman and you were my favorite player on the season. And I was bummed that you got blindsided. So that's my five favorites. I would love to see any of them play again. And uh, I'm with you. I do hope we see some people play again. Yeah. And then for one more pause before we get to MVP, the other question that you should have known I was going to throw in here but didn't put on the list, who do we want to see on the challenge, Tony? Uh, we want to see, for sure, I would say Austin and Caleb. Um, they would be, like, probably my top picks. Um, I'm going to go back to Sabaya. I could see Sabaya being a force on, the like, a challenge-formatted show. Um, I could even see Kelly doing well. Like there's, there's actually a lot of contenders this season. And like Kelly is someone else who I, despite the fact that we got a lot of her, I still would like to have seen more um, because I would have been very happy with Kelly just winning the season overall. Um, and she definitely needs to play again. But yeah. yeah, those, those would probably be my standouts like right out of the gate. Um, and I of course have thought about it because I think about it every time we see a preseason and then I watch to see if it actually pans out, but yeah, they would definitely be the ones that I would consider a shoe in for survivor. Yeah. For the, the challenge. Um, the one that is not actually, I don't want to see now, but if we could go back in time and all of this would have taken place before challenge USA one and specifically on challenge USA one, where they had, a, a much older average age cast. I would have loved to see Bruce on that specific season. Hell yeah. If he drove Bruce and Dom crazy. Yeah. Or if he would have been best buds with like Dom and Enzo in them. Yeah. I've never said his name. That was the first time I said his name out loud. I've always sworn. I wouldn't say his name ever out loud again. I'm sorry, Desi, wherever you are. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say his name. Um, but so that's, you know, I don't actually want him on now. Um, Caleb definitely 
Kelly, definitely. And then the the D2. two though, I need Austin and D on the same season. I need yeah. Challenge USA three, Austin and D to both give them whatever money you have to give them to convince them to do it together um or to do it in general i don't know if they'd be interested or not but i think they would both independently be good at the challenge and have all of the tools necessary to be a fun cast member and a good competitor there but it'd be even better if they do you know not end up in a relationship and maybe in the hypothetical world where one of them felt a little more salty about it than the other or a little more heartbroken than the other throw them back in another house together and have them compete in another cutthroat game. I think that would be fascinating. So challenge producers, uh, casting department, definitely make that happen. And please cast Jonathan young already. We've waited. I was waiting. I was going to say it. We've waited long enough. Let him win already, please. Jeez. Yeah. He's, he's got the off. He has a literal off season. His job only exists in the summer. He's available. Okay. He's out there doing pull-ups as we speak and he needs to be in the challenge house. Anyways, season MVP. All right. The biggest award of them all. We have during the season, we were in the earliest part, we were split on how we approached the MVP and we often had differing episodic MVPs by the end of the season. We were kind of in lockstep, but it also did where the, the two ideas of entertaining versus good gameplay merged but yeah. to recap for the listeners the mvp of the season is the most valuable cast member of the season it is not who played the best game because obviously that is d and as we've recounted here she not only played the best game but she deservingly won or yeah. playing the best game at the end that is fantastic that is, she certainly could be a nominee here we'll, we'll see but it is not just like who won the season who is the best player that's a different award we don't need to even hand it out because I think the best player won. So there you go. That award is handed out. D is the best survivor player of this cast. She also won. Good for her. MVP is a little bit more entertainment focused. It does typically when I've given these out on challenge seasons, there's kind of this bar that's hard to say of like how far into the season do you have to go? Cause like you could be the biggest star of the show, but get, you know, if you're out in episode four, it's like, okay, well, you were the star for four episodes, but there was 13 episodes. So there's a lot of time yeah. without you. So like, how far do you have to get? Um, so yeah, there's a bunch that goes into it. A little bit your favorite, a little bit the most entertaining, a little bit the most consequential, the storylines all wrapped in, the cast member that if you took them away would have the most dramatic effect on the quality of the season, essentially, is probably the best way to surmise it. I have a top five uh, for my ballot here, Tony. Did you just go with one straightaway winner or how did you work your way through this process? So I have, I have a winner, but I also have like these people also played a very big part okay. in the season. Um, so it basically comes down to a cat butt on my microphone, but also the cat um, butt on the microphone is not going to win MVP. It did not make it onto my ballot. No, Sorry, didn't Mazda. even last an episode. Um, I would say Drew is a big one. Emily is also a contender. Um, and as well as Jake, obviously. But then also like. I, I'm going to say like Bruce, Couture, Bruce and Katura together, but both independently brought a lot. Bruce is our first returning player. Rather than being gone 12 hours in, he went fairly deep into the episode, like into the season. He had a huge impact on how the game was being played. And the same with Katura in the sense that she couldn't get on the same page as Bruce. 
to work with Bruce. And there were so many opportunities where they could have like changed the game, but it just wasn't working from a personality level and, or from a stuck on an Island with you level. But she also was a very strong player too. So those are my, like, those are my five. And uh, do you want to hear my five or yes. do you want to say your winner first? Okay. I will so go we, with your five first. Okay. We that. had a similar mix. Uh, we had some of the same people. So I have Emily, I have Drew, I have Jake, I have Caleb, and I have the combo D Austin as the five folks receiving votes and ending up on my ballot in some order. And uh, I do cheat oftentimes. The spoiler here is D and Austin didn't win, which is why I put them together on my ballot. Because if if one of them were to win, I would separate and only give this award to one person. So those were the five that made it for me. Definitely brought the most entertainment. Were a part of the storylines as much as anyone else. All made it far enough into the game to you know. I I usually when I break this down on the challenge side, I actually say that like gone too soon if there was any one like yeah. that. So like if Emily would have went out in the third or fourth episode, I probably would have been like gone to like Emily was the MVP for as long as she was there, but it was only, you know, three or four episodes. Um, there wasn't really any of those people that fit that category on this particular season. So yeah, Caleb, Emily, Jake, Drew, D Austin combo were my five that ended up on the ballot, but I did. It didn't take as long to decide my de facto winner uh, as I, as I thought it would. I think, I think someone did separate his or herself by the end of the season for me. So I will say that Caleb and Kelly were in my gone too soon category for whatever reason I had an imaginary cutoff and there was so much game that was played after Kelly left that I couldn't consider her. And then because I couldn't consider her, I couldn't consider Caleb. Mm -hmm. Um, I will also say I did come around to Kendra by the end of it. I ended up genuinely enjoying Kendra a lot more than I thought I would. Um, and the same with Bruce because the two of them in the beginning, I was like, I don't know. So they are like, they're like my most improved, but from <laughs> my personal opinion, they're my opinion has improved of them. They didn't do anything. They didn't need to improve themselves. Yeah. I just improved my opinion of them. Um, so how do we want to do this? How do we want to well, we, drop the knowledge? I think we have the same name and it's probably going to be funny if we don't. So on uh, three, two, one, and then say the name and it'll probably be the same because if it's not, I'm going to be a little bit disappointed in you. So three, two, one, Jake. Jake. Yeah, there of course. We go. Jake's the MVP. My goodness. This guy, what a, what a guy. I love him so much. He's the best. He was the most entertaining in, I, again, you know, I, yeah. it's a, it, I don't get emotional very easy, uh, although it, it does. It happens more often than maybe I let on when watching shows like this even. But uh, I mean it when I say I was like on the verge of bawling if he lost yeah. the fire challenge and I was going to turn the show off and not care and just have you tell me who won. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, very invested in the Jake story arc and very yeah. invested in him as a human. And he was hilarious the whole time. He positive and, you know can you say he was good at the game i don't know but he tried really freaking hard you know <laughs> yeah. so he was he was the most prevalent in the storyline start to finish he was as entertaining as anyone start to finish and uh he he got some wins there right at the very end uh to get to polish off you know that there was some resume there that didn't just include pitching rocks twice um, which in and of itself is an mvp caliber thing to do uh is really funny and cool it was kind of tough. I want Emily 
Same. Emily, you know, Emily would is would be someone. This this was a good MVP, as we said. This cast was really good. The season was really good, which makes for a good MVP race. Emily would be a deserving MVP winner on a lot of seasons of Survivor or a lot of seasons of reality television. Uh, yeah. There just happened to be two people who I thought rose to the level of truly MVP worthy, and I'm going with Jake over Emily. Um, but it was it was definitely a tough decision. Yes, and that's the same for me. Like it was, like. Jake is my winner pick, like my MVP pick, but Emily is right behind. And when you said that we're like, when you're like, we're just going to do it on three and then it'll be weird if we don't agree. I was like, I could see this going two ways. (laughs) I could see it that, well, I guess three ways. We could either both say Emily, both say Jake or each one say one of them. And Jake, like obviously Jake is an absolute MVP for this season, but I was still like, it's like Emily's a close second. She has that arc and she played a strong game. And it's so cool to see the same person who antagonized the shit out of Bruce, like two seconds into the season, be the same person who was able to instill enough confidence and trust in Bruce, not play as idol. And I don't think that that's a slight against Bruce. I think that's an, a, another feather in Emily's cap. Yeah. Um, this, the same way that, the Reba four went by mostly like unnoticed because they would have like little meetings in the middle of the night and then not talk during the day and not socialize during the day as much as they were in like larger groups. So it's not a detriment to everybody else. It's an attribute that they were able to pull off. Yeah. I'm with you. So uh, unfortunately we don't have a second place uh, trophy to hand out. Unfortunately we don't have an actual trophy to hand out one day. uh, Maybe I will get around to making real trophies and shipping them to all the people that I have given MVP awards to. And now to Jake, who we have jointly given our MVP of survivor 45 award to. So with that, uh, that's all that's, we covered it. We did it. We did a full season of survivor 45 coverage. We missed one week, right? We only yep. we only missed only one week, one. and then we had one week where I had to go solo because I was too difficult to schedule with. Um, so I would say roaring success for us. Hell yeah! Because uh, while we confidently said we would hit every episode, I wasn't actually behind the scenes 100% confident <laughs> in my <laughs> schedule and workload abilities to make that happen. So a full season of Survivor Historian is in the books. We yep. will. Uh, having not discussed exactly how we will be back in some form or fashion for Survivor 46, uh, yep. be it weekly, be it bi weekly, be it the beginning and the end, some some form or fashion, what between somewhere between one and 13 episodes of podcasts will happen with Tony and I about Survivor 46. We will keep you updated on what that looks like as it comes closer, which it's February, it's the end of February that's soon there. So I forget the exact day, February like 18th. Something I wanted like to say February 11th, but I may have made that date up. It I know it's earlier. It's yeah. yeah, it's really soon, though. Uh, yeah. it's, it's again New Year's Eve right now as we record this. And so that's like six weeks from right now. Not that we're watching far. season 25 right now as a re as a rewatch, because um, my friend who we're watching Survivor with um, her boyfriend and I picked a few of our favorite seasons. We put them all in a hat and then she picked one out because she's the one that we're getting to fill in the gaps on the shows. And so we were watching 25, which was, um, which was Malcolm's first season. What, what's the title of that season? Uh, Philippines. Philippines. Okay, cool. Yeah. I've, uh, if I ever get some free time, I've been considering 
rewatching a season or two, but I've got a couple in mind. So we'll see, see if that happens. Probably not in the next six weeks between now and the next <laughs> season. So uh, thank you to everyone who is tuned in and listened and chimed in and, you know, messaged yeah. us throughout the season and everything else. It has been fantastic to get to join the survivor podcasting community here. And uh, we look forward to being a part of it in some form or fashion in the future and look forward to more great, you know, fingers crossed. I actually, to come full circle, I remember at the end of season 44 that I enjoyed a large extent and had one of the all-time great trailers ever season 44 did that they showed at the, the season 45 trailer during, you know, the finale of 44. And I remember saying "Mm, that, uh, in comparison, doesn't look like they've got a lot to work with. Doesn't look like um, I'm a little nervous. This season looks a little average from the trailer. I think I said as much during our preview podcast of like, I'm not getting a lot from the trailer or any hints or any clips or anything. And it turns out they were just holding it all back because it was a fantastic, fantastic season. So the trailer doesn't tell you everything. Um, Sometimes it doesn't tell you anything. Sometimes it lies to you. So don't trust the trailers. Still watch them, though. They deserve their view count. Um, And with that, yeah, Tony, it's been fantastic. Thanks for joining for the whole season. And uh, we will be back sometime, somewhere in the future for another installment of Survivor Historian. Yes, we will. Thank you.